0: Thank you for tuning into this week's message. For more information about Connections Church, you can go to connectionschurch.church or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Wow, what a powerful story that is. Would you folks show your appreciation to not only Christina, but all those who have shared their story. And the exciting thing is, That Their story is our story, and and his story is our story. We all relate to all of these testimonies that we we have walked through this past month in this this particular study, so thank you all for bearing your souls and just laying it out there saying, here here I am, and here's my stuff, and here's what God is doing, has done, and is going to do in me as I continue to walk with him, and and the great thing is that even though we're going to conclude this study kind of officially this morning, this is not the end of our story, right? How many of you realize that our stories are being written every single day, every moment that new chapters, new lines, new 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 paragraphs are, are being implemented into our story, which if we know Christ and follow Him, is His story, right? Tell somebody, our story is your story, your story is His story. Go ahead, just kind of help them understand that with me right now and and, and as we move to a conclusion today, would you grab your handouts? And on one side is a is an outline. You can uh, take some notes and follow along. And you don't want to miss what God's going to say to you today. I love how the Holy Spirit has put this whole thing together today. And when when I say we're talking about the big finish, I mean the big big finish. We are wrapping up this study, and and what a finish! We really have, if you think about it, and, and, and don't we love a good finish to a great story? How many of you, again, love uh, reading books, and, and, and where, where's my book people in here that you, you love to grab a good book and, and sit down and get lost in? How about our movie people in here? Any, any movie people in here? And, and, and we've, we've all seen some, some amazing finishes and, and some legendary finishes in, in our day and time, and, and, and I'm just going to give you a couple examples. How many of you remember the movie Remember the Titans? I mean, that was amazing. That it was a great story about racial reconciliation and how God doesn't see us uh, on the outside. He sees the heart and how we need to unite together and what, what happened in our country uh, a number of years back and, and causing that to take steps forward. And, and it was also a great story about Football. I mean, how many of you football fans in here and loved it when they, they won the, the state championship little school up in Virginia, and, and what a great ending that was, but we've also seen some legendary bad endings, right? And the one that came to mind was Titanic. You remember that movie? I mean, you know, that epic, you know, drama about, I mean, we all, don't get me wrong, I'm not talking about the, you know, the, the ship sank, we all know that, I mean, that, that's history, but, but how many of you remember the part? After the ship went down and people are in the, in the waters and it's cold and freezing and, and Jack and Rose are out there, of course, miraculously, they get off the ship and, and she's on this piece of debris floating and, and Jack's holding on for dear life and she's holding on to him because he's in the water literally, you know, freezing and, and she says, Jack, I'll never let go. And she kind of said it like that because she was calling. I'll, I'll never let go. I'll never let go. What'd she do? She let go. And, and besides that, I mean, if you look at it, go back and check out the movie. There is enough room on that piece of debris for Jack to be up there. Why is he dragging behind into freezing water? I mean, that was a terrible ending to that, that movie. So, you know, there's been some good ones. There's been some bad ones. and it, you know, But let's take a look at the greatest finish that is yet to come. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Acts chapter 1. And I'm going to be reading there beginning at verse 6. It says, therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, these are disciples with Jesus after his resurrection, and they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but, and here's where he redirects the conversation, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall what? Be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Verse 9. Now, when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up in a cloud and received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly towards heaven, he went up, behold... Two men stood by them in white apparel who also said, Men of Galilee, and, and kind of picture this, just put yourself in this scene for a moment. Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go. Where? Into heaven. I mean, I, I love that. I've talked for years about different scenes I would like to be in in, in, in the Bible that we see. You know, when, when Daniel was thrown in the lion's den and, and, you know, when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they, they stood when everybody else bowed down, when, when Peter was walking on the water, when, when Jesus was confronting the devil and being tempted. by I'd love to be at some of those scenes, but this is another one. Where the disciples are gathered around, Jesus has been crucified. He's raised from the dead. We, we celebrated Easter a few weeks back, and and, and they're huddled up here. And, and they ask him one question, and he redirects that and tells him, Hey, it's not about the kingdom coming right now. Here's what it's about. You guys are going to receive the power from on high that the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, is going to fill you up, and he's going to send you out for one purpose, to be witnesses to me and of me to everybody you come in contact with. They're like, whoa, okay. And then all of a sudden, because that's what this passage tells us, Jesus just whoop. And you know, you know my, my favorite sound effect, whoop. He's just gone. He's just whoo. He's like a, a missile shot into heaven, into space. And, and they stand there just in amazement I mean, you would think about after all the things they've seen, Jesus feeding the multitude with just a, a few fish and loaves of bread, turning water into wine and, and, and making some mud pies and putting on a blind man's eyes, and all of a sudden, bam, he sees, and, and, and the, the, the dead coming back to life as, as their friend Lazarus, Jesus called him out of the grave after three days. Because why ain't no grave going to do what? <laughs> going to hold my body down. I like that, that other verse of it, meet me, meet me, Jesus, meet me in the middle of the air. Whoa! I'm going to rise to meet my Savior. I'm going to say goodbye down here. I ain't going to start singing. Don't, don't get worried. But after everything they've seen and, and witnessed with their own eyes, all of a sudden he's taken up and they are just mesmerized. And then we would be too, right? We tell you, neighbor, that would be pretty impressive. And then I love all of a sudden as they're just like locked into space, like wow, two angels began to let them know what's going on. Why are you standing here gazing into heaven?" <laughs> That's a question he asked. They ask. Because this same Jesus that you see taken up right now is going to do what? Come back in the same manner. And that kind of leads us to the first thing on your outline and that is simply this. He is coming back in the same way that he left. This same Jesus, not another, not an imitation Jesus, not the Antichrist, nobody else can do this. This same Jesus one day soon is coming back for everyone who believes on him as Lord and Savior. That's the promise that the Word of God gives us over and over and over again. Literally the most significant event in Biblical prophecy is the second coming of Christ. It is an event so important that there are over 300 separate prophecies relating to it in the Word of God, making it one of the most important doctrines in all of the Bible. It is the key that unlocks the door that leads to the future. No Christian can be said to have a well-rounded faith who does not understand the basic truth about the second coming of Christ. All the roads of history and prophecy, prophecy converge at this point. Jesus coming back. How many of you listen to Dr. David Jeremiah? He wrote this a number of years back, that for every biblical prophecy on the first coming of Christ that we celebrate as Christmas, there are eight Write that down in your notes somewhere. There are eight concerning the second coming. This ought to alert us to just how important this is. Christians have always believed that one day Christ will return to this earth. It is the climax of our creeds and the final proof of the sovereignty of God over all of human history. And his coming will bring an end to this age and usher in the coming kingdom of Christ that these disciples are questioning about. When's it going to happen? Is it now? Is now the time? Is it, is it in our day? Is it, is it going to happen here right at this moment? No. But it's coming soon. So it's going to usher in that final stage of our redemption, the culmination of all that God has promised to those who love Christ and devote their lives to him. And please be clear. The rapture is when Jesus Christ returns to remove the church, all believers in Christ, from this earth. And look at me for just a moment. I've been hearing this since I was a baby. I cut my teeth on the old wooden pews. You think these chairs aren't that great and comfortable? You sit on the old wooden pews where there's no padding at all for just a little while and see how comfortable these things all of a sudden are. I cut my teeth on those pews. My mama raised me in church. She had us in church from day one, from the get-go, as they say. And I've heard this all my life. Now here, and the funny thing about it, Peter addressed that scoffers had come up and said, well, where is he? Why isn't he back yet? And the same scoffers are alive today say, why is Jesus not returned? It's been 2,000 plus years. He's not coming back. It was just made up fairy tale myth. Don't buy that. Because every second that ticks by on the clock brings us a second closer to when he's going to split the eastern sky and he's going to step out. And that trumpet we sang about a few moments is going to blast. And all of God's people, both alive and dead, are going to raise up and go home to be with the one who gave his life for us, church. That's what we have to look forward to. That's what these angels were telling the disciples, hey don't be fooled don't get lost don't get off track this same jesus that you've witnessed with your own eyes rise up into the heavens today is coming back one day and he's going to come back in the very same way that he just left not going to be long that's the rapture now, the second coming, so you'll be clear on this, and we, we've unpacked this, we have did studies on it uh, numerous times before here at Connections, but the second coming is when Jesus returns to defeat the Antichrist, destroy evil, and establish his millennial kingdom. The second coming is described in Revelation 19, verses 11 through 16. So be clear, when he comes back that second time, guess who gets to come with him? Us. We get to ride with him. When he rides, we ride. When he walks, we walk. When he runs, we run. When he reigns, whoa, we reign. Folks, that is the gospel truth. When he comes back that second time to destroy the, the enemy and all his works of evil, we come back with him and we get to celebrate and be a part of that ultimate victory. I don't know about you, but that does something for me. And those of you that know me really well, it does something for me because I like to win. And I hate to lose. And when this whole thing is over with, guess what? We win because he wins. This same Jesus. Secondly, the disciples had to wonder. I mean, it had to be in, in, in their mind somewhere. Why didn't he take us with him? I want to go. I mean, you ever felt like that? You get so tired of the troubles of the world. After what we've went through this week in this region, after the senseless evil that took place at at the campus of uncc after this police officer just doing his job a routine traffic stop this morning gunned down a young man 30 something years old and it happens every single day we hear story after story we see it we we experience it some of you live through it some of you have relatives that that were there and on and on and on and and it just gets to the point you're like lord i'm ready to go home why don't you just take me with you well, the reality is is found in, in, and again, Acts chapter 1, verse 8 that we just read a few moments ago because he's given us the power of the Holy Spirit to go out and be witnesses. Here's the bottom line on it, church. We have a mission. If not, then as soon as we converted to Christ and said yes to him and surrendered our lives to him, there would be no other reason for us to be here. We could be home with him enjoying the relationship on that side of heaven and not down here. But just like those first disciples, he said, I have a mission for you. I need you to be there. I need you to do the mission. I need you to be be vigilant in that, diligent. Do what I've put you here to do. That's why we're still here. So I'm asking you right now, are you on mission with Christ? Are you serving faithfully in that mission? Because see on your outline, church, be assured that Jesus is coming back. But in the meantime, we have a work to do. I mean, think about it. Let me just kind of walk down that road one more time. There's a world all around us that's drowning in sorrow, and they need to know the one who said, peace I give to you, my peace I give you. There's a world out there drowning in hatred, and they need to know the one who said, love your enemies and bless those who what? Curse you. There's a world out there full of starving people and sick people and forgotten people who need to experience from us the one who proclaimed whatever you did for the least of these, you did it for whom? For me. For me. Jesus is coming back, but in the meantime, he gives us a mission to to be his witness, to preach the gospel, to share the good news, to make disciples of all nations. Folks, that's what we are to be about in the meantime. And we've got to see clearly that the meantime, look at me right now, is dwindling down. Because I'm going to tell you, I'm 37 years old. (laughs) Wait a minute, I forgot a few. Might be closer to 51 years old. Might be. I'm not saying anything definitive. But I will say this. I'm 51 years closer to him coming back and calling me home. I am 51 plus years closer to that today. So that meantime that we're talking about right here, it's dwindling down. But it all boils down to this, D, on your outline there. Do we really believe it? That word "believe" is is a strong word, isn't it? I mean, it is. It's gritty. It's got some stuff to it. It it means something. I believe that this chair will hold me up if I plop myself down on it. That's a, that's a pretty pretty big risk there, because if I fall, not gonna feel good all the way to the concrete. I've fallen on this floor a few times playing basketball. And every time somebody tripped me, I'm just gonna leave that there. But anyway, if I believe it, then I'll just I have no, no worries of just plopping myself down and just whew, it worked. That believes a strong word. When we believe something, then we we get up and do something, we take action. To really believe it, the, the full definition of believing is to take action, to say, I'm not just gonna talk about it, I'm just gonna let it be a theory in my head. I'm gonna act upon it, I'm gonna carry it out to its fullest extent. And I'm telling you something, these disciples. And they give us a lot of hope, man. Because you remember how shaky they were. Remember how unreliable they were a few weeks ago. We talked about them hiding out when they came and arrested Jesus, and and they were denying knowing him. And they were saying, "Well, you know, I wouldn't believe it, but but I got to see for myself. I want to see the the wounds on his hands, and I want to see that that place on his side where they jammed that spear, and and the, and the scar on his forehead where they where they pressed that crown. Of, Until I see it for myself and put my hands on it myself, I'm not, that's how shaky and unreliable these guys were. But something happened when the resurrected Savior came and found them and said, look, I am alive forevermore. Don't doubt again. Just believe who I am and what I've come to do. Man, I'm telling you, at that point in time, write this word down. They were completely convinced. Doubt was removed. They, all of a sudden, this switch, like you walk into a room and, Flipped the light switch on, was flipped in their hearts and lives and their souls. And they were completely convinced that Jesus, the one that they had watched being beaten and crucified and breathed his last on Calvary's cross. They were convinced that that same Jesus in which they witnessed that and lost just about every bit of hope they had in their lives. This man that they loved had devoted three and a half years of their lives to, had thought all these grand things were going to happen, and they watched it die on Calvary's hill. They were convinced that it was over, but when he reappeared and came back to life and raised on that third day and went to find them and show himself to them and wrap his arms around them and love them and restore them they were convinced this man who can overcome that look at me he can overcome anything and everything in us any enemy that tries to destroy us jesus got its number every demonic attack on us jesus has its number Jesus is our victory, not just has our victory. And he's already won our victory. He's already already brought that and bought that for us. And he presents it to us. It's a done deal. We just got to cash in on it. He hands us that check that's written victory all over it. He says, here, it's yours. If you'll just cash it and take it for your own. Make it yours. Grab a hold of it. Don't let go. That's what happened to these very first disciples. When they saw him come back from that they were never the same Kay Arthur wrote these words several years ago and they're strong you think you can handle this are you sure you know everybody's got these safe spaces now and they're a little flaky and <laughs> soft and sorry I shouldn't have said that can you handle this well we'll see here it goes She said, and I quote If you don't plan to live the Christian life totally committed, (laughs) and I love what Christina shared about being in, not playing those games. If you don't plan to live the Christian life totally committed to knowing your God and walking in obedience to Him, then don't begin, don't start. But this is what Christianity is all about. It's a change of citizenship. It's a change of governments. It's a change of allegiance. If you have no intention of letting Christ rule your life, then forget Christianity because it's not for you. That's preaching right there. I mean, that's one of those hard calls that's based on the Scripture where Jesus said, you got to pick up your cross and follow after me. you got to deny yourself. As a matter of fact, you got to crucify the flesh and all of its wickedness, and you got to live life in me, for me, and through me, all the way holding nothing back because you don't belong to yourself any longer. You are mine. I bought you with a price, he said. I've redeemed you, I've cleansed you, I've washed you, I've I've, I've put my righteousness upon you. I've taken those filthy, sinful rags off of you, and I've placed a garment of holiness and pure white and cleanliness and godliness upon your shoulders. But are we committed? Are we convinced of that? Someone else once said, a life totally committed to God has nothing to fear. Hear me, church. Nothing to lose and nothing to regret. Oh, but I might lose some friends, man. Really? What a friend we have in Jesus. And he ain't out to use us. Because a lot of people got them friends like the prodigal son had when he had a pocket full of money. And when the money run out, the friends run out the door. Like, whoo, where'd they go? You will regret nothing Committing your whole life to Jesus Christ. We will have no zero zilch regrets when we give him everything of who we are. What a powerful thing. You see, what happened is they had a commitment to stay on course. And I just preached right through that first part of that. So you just go ahead and write that down, a commitment. Sorry, team. Thank you all for staying with me. A commitment to stay on course. They were not going to be shaken. They were not going to be moved. Secondly, they had a willingness to pour into others. That's what being convinced did to these men. Do we really believe it? They were convinced. They had a commitment to stay the course. They also had a willingness to pour into others. Through the entire Bible, especially in the New Testament, we see a consistent pattern of discipleship. Which is the process of teacher investing into student, just as Jesus did with these original disciples. He calls us to do the very same thing with everyone that he brings to our lives that we possibly can. That's what discipleship is it's teaching, it's pouring into, it's investing in, and spending time with others and making an eternal deposit into their lives of those that God brings to us. The Bible literally says we have this treasure. What is the treasure? The treasure is the good news, it's the gospel. It's the Word of God. We have this treasure which is now deposited off the pages of this book into what? Earthen vessels. What's an earthen vessel? Anybody want to guess what is an earthen vessel? Well, I'm going to give you a hint. You take, take your finger right here, your pointer finger on your right hand if you're right-handed, on your left hand if you're left-handed, your index or pointer, whatever you want to call it, little pointer guy, hey, little buddy. You take him, put it right there. Now, half of you aren't doing this, you're looking at me like, I'm not in kindergarten anymore, Pastor. I'm that's easy for me to say, I'm distinguished. I'm, I'm, I'm elevated. I'm you are that earthen vessel. Remember when we talked about our story the very first week when we said God made who? Adam. There you go, little boys and girls. Okay, let's get down. He made Adam, then he made Eve. He made Adam out of what? Dirt. What is dirt? Earthen material. It's earth. So this is, this is Bible 101. Come on, guys. Pastor Scott's going to have to get a basic class together. So when he's talking about this treasure, which is God's Word, God's life, everything of who God is, God himself is placed in earthen vessels. You learned something new today, a lot of you. I can just see it like, wow. Now you're going to go to work tomorrow and you're going to tell your coworkers, hey, earthen vessel, what's up? And they're going, what? What, what did you call me? I mean, it's Monday morning already. You want to come in calling names off the, off the bat right here at the start of things, man? We're going to go. We're going to meet in the parking lot at lunch. What time is lunch, by the way? I'm getting kind of hungry. But it, We have this treasure in earthen vessels, which is the good news of Jesus Christ. And it's not for us to be greedy with, but instead it's for us to pour into others. And the incredible way that the kingdom of God works is that the more we give, the more we... I want you to take your fist and hit your neck. Na- I'm just kidding. Make sure they're good and awake, because the more we give, the more we. Those of you, remember that little passage where Jesus says, if you're faithful in the little things, you get to do a lot with a lot. You get more stuff at it. So when you give, you. Let's say it, get. One, one time strong over here right. The more you give, the more you. Yeah. The more you give, the more you. Yeah. The more you give, the more you. Yeah. How y'all doing this morning? Good to see you. I tricked you, didn't I? Okay, the more we give, the more we get that treasure that's deposited in us is for us to just to hoard up and keep. We don't go out in the backyard and try to bury it out there. We give it away. We are to be pouring into other people's lives. And then thirdly, these disciples have what we have to have, a willingness to pass the baton. As we prepare for our finish here on this earth, we must be looking for those that are that we are investing in to pass the baton of ministry to, and that includes us being able to recognize the giftings that God has given to them, and not only recognize that but begin to release those things in them so that they can begin to walk in that gifting and bless other people and build the kingdom of God. Paul told Timothy, his young protege in 2 Timothy 2, chapter 2, verse 2, the things which are the doctrine, the precepts, the word of God, the admonitions, the sum of my ministry, everything that I've done, which you have heard me teach in the presence of many witnesses, entrust those as a treasure to reliable and faithful men who will also in return be capable of entrusting them into the hands and the lives of reliable and faithful men. Here's what was happening. Paul was passing the baton. There comes a day that as the Lord continues to tarry, I know this is hard for some of you, so get your Kleenex box handy that I won't be here pastoring this church go ahead you can cry just a little bit it's okay just don't get out of control we don't want to lose it here big time but I'm in a season of life now that God has spoken to me that a big part of my assignment is start handing the batons to the faithful men and faithful women who are going to keep the race going the disciple What are we, 2,019 years away from all this taking place? I'm not a math genius, and most of you know that. It's been around me any length of time. You didn't have to agree so easily there. We're 2,000 plus years of these things happening that we're talking about right now. And guess what? We have this treasure today. We know Christ we love Jesus. We follow him. Or at least I pray you do. If not, get that changed today, right now, immediately. And you know how we got it? Because these disciples took this serious and they kept the baton and they kept handing batons and down the generations and down the generations until it was given to someone in our life who said, Jesus Christ is the only hope. He is the way, the truth and the life. He was Crucified, he was put to death, and he rose again on the third day, defeating death, hell, and the grave. And he did all that so that he could redeem us and purchase our sins and cleanse us for all of eternity so that we could belong to him. Faithful men, faithful women, faithful ambassadors of the kingdom of God. That's how we got here, and we must continue to do that. That is so vital to a good, strong finish. So let me ask you this. Who are you in the process of handing the baton to as a Christ follower in your own life? Who are you looking to that you can hand off that baton of ministry that will pick it up and run with it with fervor? Because I'm going to tell you something this is life. (laughs) Nothing else matches this. This is critical, this is the most important aspect of who we are is knowing Christ and making him known, period. All other aspirations pale in comparison. Now, I'm not saying we're not about other things because we are. God's given us those gifts, those opportunities, but this is chief in our lives. It's numero uno. Number one, it's the top priority. And lastly, today, with these first disciples, we see a complete willingness to pay the ultimate price price. As I mentioned just a couple of moments ago, they were completely convinced and completely willing to give their all. And I want you to listen to just how willing they were. But just put your stuff down. Put your notes, your Bible, just put it to the side. I want everyone's utmost attention here. History tells us that Peter, the one who denied knowing Christ, was ultimately crucified upside down in Rome because he said, I'm not worthy to be crucified in the same manner in which my Lord was. He was crucified because he was a Christ follower. He would not stop preaching the gospel. Matthew suffered martyrdom in Ethiopia. He was killed when they plunged the sword into his body. John faced martyrdom when he was boiled in a huge basin of boiling oil during a wave of persecution in Rome. Think about that. What's for dinner? Huh, you are. You've got this big cauldron full of oil that they have brought to boiling. Time. How many of you burned yourself cooking in your kitchen before? A little plop of grease comes out on you. Man, it feels like the end of the world, don't it? Just one little spot. What if your whole body was dropped into boiling oil? But guess what? He survived. <laughs> they didn't kill him. You're thinking, how? And I'm thinking the same thing. I don't know. He was then sentenced to the mines on the prison island of Patmos. And the reason why he didn't die is because this is where he wrote the prophetic book of Revelation, the last book of our Bible, while he was on that prison camp island called Patmos. The apostle John was later freed and returned to what is now modern-day Turkey. He died as an old man. The only disciple to die in that manner. James, the brother of Jesus, not officially an apostle, but was the leader of the church in Jerusalem. He was thrown from the southeast pinnacle of the temple over 100 feet down when he refused to deny his faith in Jesus Christ. When they discovered that he survived that fall, then his enemies grabbed up clubs and beat him to death. This is thought to be the same pinnacle where Satan had taken Jesus during those temptations. Bartholomew, also known as Nathaniel, was a missionary to Asia. He witnessed in present-day Turkey and was killed for preaching in Armenia, being flayed to death by a whip. Andrew was crucified on an X-shaped cross in Greece. After seven soldiers whipped him severely, they tied his body to the cross with cords to prolong his agony. His followers reported that when he was led toward the cross... When he was being taken to that brutal execution, he saluted it in these words, I have long desired and and expected this happy hour. Man, if I don't do something to you, you do something's messed up. (laughs) The cross has been consecrated by the body of Christ hanging on it, he said. And guess what he did? He continued to preach to his tormentors for two days until he finally died. The apostle Thomas was stabbed with a spear in India during one of his missionary trips to establish churches there. Matthias, the apostle chosen to replace the traitor Judas Judas Iscariot, was stoned and then beheaded. And the apostle Paul was tortured and then beheaded by the evil emperor Nero in Rome in AD 67. There are traditions regarding the other apostles as well, but none with, with reliable historical accuracy that we know of, but listen to me. Listen to me as you close your eyes for just a moment. It's not so important how the apostles died. What is important is the fact that they were willing to die for their faith in Jesus Christ. And I venture to say today that if Jesus had not been resurrected, the disciples would have known it people will not die for something they know to be a lie. The fact that all the apostles were willing to give their lives in horrible deaths, refusing to renounce their faith in Christ is tremendous evidence that they had truly witnessed the resurrection of Jesus Christ and they were truly convinced that he was who he said he was and he did everything he said he would do. Folks, please understand as we close today, this reality, that big, big finish that, that we've talked about for the last 30 minutes or so is really the big, big, big beginning to our t- eternity because the truth is our story has no end. When, when we die, if we go that, that route here on this earth before Jesus splits the sky, guess what? We don't die. For every Christian... When you breathe your last here on earth, the Bible says we're in eternity with heaven and in heaven for eternity with, with Christ. We To be absent from this body is to be present with Christ. So your story never ends. The only question is, where will we spend our eternity? What's our destination? The eyes close for just a moment. You might be in this room right now. You may be listening to me. Some venue here here's here 's the reality What is your story right now where, where is it going what what kind of things are happening where where is, is, is your your, your storyline leading you to maybe you 're in a place where you know what i 've gotten off track and my story's just just crashing and burning right now I need I need something to come and, and rescue me. I need Jesus to come and, and put me back on track and, and turn this thing around because it's, it's heading to, to a dangerous place. I, I don't want to live life like that. I don't want my story to, to go that direction, to end that way. I want to live in the purpose of, of Christ in my life. I want to know Him and make Him known. I want to live with everything I am and everything I have committed to the cause of Christ and loving Him in a powerful relationship you're saying this morning pastor pray for me i got some things that need some course correction Would you just raise your hand and let me know that right now so i i know how to pray for you yes sir yes ma'am yes anybody else maybe you're in here you say i really don't know christ as my lord and savior but i don't want to leave this place until i do so would you just join these and raise your hands as well all across this room thank you. Anybody else? Yes, ma'am. Anybody else? Thank you. Maybe you're in here and say, you know, (laughs) just kind of been lost in doubt, not fully convinced. I mean, I've, I've heard this stuff before and I'm just not sure, but boy, I am now (laughs) without a doubt right now. I, I, I know that Jesus is the son of God. I know he came, he died, he rose again. The dramatic change in those first disciples. Hearing that again today, maybe for the first time today. I believe it with all my heart. Would you just raise your hands and say, God's doing something to remove the doubts in my life right now. And I just want to confirm that by raising my hand and saying, Thank you, Lord. Yep. Yep. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Yes. Here's, here's what I want to ask us to do right now. We're going we're to sing. We're going to worship in just another moment, one more time before we leave this place. And we're going to do that with everything that we have. But right now, I want us to pray. And typically, I'll, I'll call you to come down here and pray for you right here at the front of this, this altar or this church. But here's, here's what I sense right now. I want to ask everybody, whether you raise your hand or not, everybody stand to your feet across this room. Because as we march towards this big, big finish, one more thing that we need is we need each other. We do this together, not separately, not individually. So would you find right now, and you may you may sense that God's moving you across the room to a certain person or people and, and to link up with, but would you find about five or eight or ten other people at the most and just get with them and make a make a prayer circle right you're Like, Pastor, what are you just just, just hear me out? Just do that right now. Just just begin to move and, and lock hands with those people or put your hand on their shoulder or whatever it may be and if you need a little room make, you, make yourself some room and get out from these comfortable chairs we have in here for a moment you've been sitting down for a while so it's a good, good time to stretch out a little bit and with the, the amount of folks who raise their hands in this room today there's a good chance that at least one of them is in your circle right now So I'm going to pray in a moment. But it's going to be in a moment. Right now, I want you to begin to pray for each other. You may not even know many of them or any of them, but that's okay. You just pray, hey, my brother in the blue shirt that's in my group, just, Lord, whatever he needs right now, just begin to do that in his life. Let him pull down those barriers and open up his door and have you come in and do that work that you desire to do whatever that may be would you just got just begin to to minister to each other this is a way to put into practice what we talked about the aspect of pouring in to others so right now you're you're pouring in to those in your your prayer circle all across this room thank you lord and i mean take it to heart i mean pray like there's no tomorrow i mean pray like, like Jesus is standing right here beside you. Because really he is. He's in us. He's with us. He's all around. Holy Spirit's here. Pray it may be for, for a physical healing somebody needs. It may be for emotional bondage and, and strife. It, it may be for relational crisis that somebody's in. I don't know. But, but God knows. And right now, he's allowing you guys to pray for one another in this moment. Yes, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for obedience, God. Your power, your glory moving all over this room. Holy Spirit, we thank you for loving us and drawing us to Jesus. Pointing to God and teaching us, unfolding truth to us filling us empowering us changing our story god we we were lost now we're found we were blind but now we see what a change what a what a dramatic plot twist we were dead and now we're alive because of christ and the power the resurrection power of the holy spirit so right now god sweep across this room move in our prayer groups right now touch lives change hearts god transform us from the inside out renew our mind god Just come in and invade our hearts in in ways you never have before. Every closet open up to you, every little nook and cranny, God, we're holding nothing back. We're keeping none of the world that's been in our lives for far too long. But God, we're releasing that today because we are truly convinced that Jesus Christ is alive and well and he's coming back. This same Jesus that took off into the sky like a missile into the clouds is coming back in like manner that one day he's going to split the eastern sky. That trumpet's going to blast and ain't no grave going to hold my body down and ain't no gravity going to keep me here on this earth. I'm going home with you, Lord. Thank you for that promise, God, that is sure and true and and yes and amen. And so remove all doubt right now. Let us live as convinced disciples of you, picking up our cross daily and following after you. And God, we know that while we are here in the meantime, you've called us to be ambassadors. You've called us to take this message of hope and life and, and eternity to the nations, God. And we choose to do that right now, God. We thank you for the simple gospel that changes lives and we proclaim that together in song right now as we close out this time in jesus name sing it out with all your hearts church let's worship him together today one more time thank you for tuning into this week's message for more information about connections church you can go to connectionschurch.church or follow us on facebook and instagram